This is Discussion Day 2, Chapter 8 to 13, and the summary of Chapter 8. At the beginning of Chapter 8, that we, we found out that Miss Radley died of natural causes. Some people in the town thought that Gem and Scout's misbehavior was the reason for the snowfall. The same day that the snow had arrived, Miss Marty's house had caught fire, which spread to the other homes on the street. Atticus sent Scout and Jim across the street in front of the Radley place so they were far from the fire. Scout got very cold and Boo Radley gave her a blanket without her even knowing. She and Atticus planned to return the blanket. Alright, so direct from the text, who or what did Jem and Scout create out of snow? She cre- they created Bobby. their neighbor, right? Yeah, yeah. and Miss Bobby yeah. and someone else. And they Mr. Avery. Okay. Three houses get caught on fire, but only one gets burned down. Whose is it? Miss Marty's. Yeah, it's the garden lady. Yeah, Miss Marty's. Yeah, you need to speak up. Miss Marty's house got burned down. Who is said to be dead at the beginning of the chapter? Miss Radley. Yes. Okay, read between the lines. Near the beginning of the chapter, Scout claims the world is ending. Why is this? Because there's snow. How does Miss Maudie react after her house is destroyed? She she's happy. She's kind of happy because she wants a smaller house and more of a yard for a bigger garden. Okay, summary for chapter 9. In chapter 9, Christmas came to Maycomb and kids at school were making fun of Scout because her father was defending a black person in a legal case. We found out that Scott... Scott. Scout and Jem are iffy about Christmas, but the kids were happy to see their uncle. Scout's family members made fun and ridiculed her for not dressing and acting like a lady, but Atticus told her to keep being her. A boy in the Finch family was causing frustration and anger to Scout, so much so that Scout hit him. Atticus talked to his brother about how he was worried about what would happen to Scout and Jem because of the case he was working. He wanted Scout to hear what he was saying to his brother, and when he was done, he sent her to bed. (coughs) Who does Scout get into a fight with? Her cousin? Yeah, Yeah, his name is Francis. Francis. Francis Finch. Okay, what does Aunt Alexandra not like about Scout? She doesn't act like a lady. She's yeah, not proper. She's proud. immature and yeah. lady-like. Who is Atticus currently defending as his job? Tom Robinson. Yeah. Why does Cecil Jacobs not like Atticus? Because he doesn't he's know how to raise his kids. He's defending a black the... man. Or yeah. that, yeah. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After her fight with Francis, why does Scout say she hates Uncle Jack? Because he, he didn't listen to her side of the story. Kids. He's a bad. Because <laughs> he didn't listen to her side of the story. Yeah, yeah. that too. Oh, look at that, kids. See, I'm not wrong. All right. Chapter 10 summary. In chapter 10, we found out that Atticus was now 50 and could not do the things that the other dads did, like hunt and fish. Atticus told Jem that he could shoot at cans and at blue jays if he could catch them with his air gun, but it was a sin to kill mockingbirds because they sing so beautifully. There was a mad dog running loose in the street, so Calpurnia called Atticus and he brought the sheriff to the street. The sheriff told Atticus to shoot the dog, so he did. Scout was surprised with Atticus's aim, but it turns out that he used to be known as One Shot Finch because of his incredible aim. Scout wanted to brag to the kids at school, but Jem said that if Atticus wanted them to have known, he would have told them. Uh, who or what was Tom 
Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson was the old dog that got yeah. rabies, right? Yeah. Like, allegedly with rabies. Why did the dog have a last name? Because he was part of the Because he was part of the family. Why does Atticus say it's a sin to kill a mockingbird? Because they sing so beautifully. Yeah, they don't do anything. Because they pour yeah. their heart out yes. into their music. Tim Johnson. <laughs> Since they don't have a phone, how does Calp Calpurnia warn the Radley place about the crazy dog? The phone. The she runs over there, right? She calls yes. the Morse code. The phone people. No, she no the Radley house. No, no, she calls the first people. Yeah, but the, the Radley house. Yeah, they go knock on it. Yes. Okay. Does, but does she just yells at the door, and people are like, "You got to go to the back or whatever," but then she didn't. Yeah, but yeah. their doors are already shut, so I don't know. Anyways, moving forward. Back to the store. What? Okay, what makes Atticus different from uh, the fathers of Scout's classmates? He's, he's old. Weak. He's a weak boy. He's 50 years old. Yes, and he, yeah. He doesn't play all the sports like the other guys. Yeah. Okay. What are Scout and Jem's reactions to Atticus shooting the dog? They're pretty surprised, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought he couldn't do anything. Yeah. He was like, done. How's Bob going? Okay, so summary for chapter 11. In chapter 11, we found out that during a walk with Skep... I'm trying to record a podcast. Oh, shit, sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> In chapter 11, we found out that during a walk with Scout and Jem... With Scout, Jem loses his temper because of a remark put forth by Miss Dubow. He, he ruined all of her camellia bushes and had to read to her as a punishment. Scout tags along on all of the days that Jem has to read to Miss Dubow, and after each session is over, she throws a little fit. No more than a month after Jem was done with reading to her, she died, and it turns out she was addicted to morphine, and reading helped her stay away from it. She left a box containing one camellia for her maid to give to Jem. <coughs> um, what made Scout so excited for it to be summer? She was excited to see Dale, but he didn't show up because yeah. his parents got remarried. That's chapter 12. Isn't it? That's chapter 12. <laughs> what does Miss DeBose tell Jem to her? Or for. Hold on. What does Miss DeBose tell Jem to, I think, do for her in order to make up for the destruction that caused. that he caused her flowers? Read to her. Read to her every day for a month. Yes. For two hours. Yes. What does Miss Dubose think about Atticus's wife's death? Oh, she said there's no one better than his wife, but uh, like there's no one else that's like her, I guess. But she was one in a million. Yeah. She's of those seven billion people. In the then one in seven billion. Seven people in the world. Not at that time. That's true. Okay. Moving forward. What caused Miss Dubose's death? Uh, morphine addiction. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And what does what does Atticus say about his job to Scout? And how he feels about his job. Chapters yes, because there are multiple different. Eleven. Eleven. I'm pretty sure it's just the two of them talking. And he says how it's not to worry about it now because it'll get worse in the future. Oh, okay. oh, right. And how everyone can have their own opinion. I remember that. Okay. So, summary for chapter 12. 
In chapter 12, Jem turns 12 and starts to tell Scout to leave him alone and to start acting like a girl, which only makes her miss Dill more. Sadly, Dill's mother has remarried and won't be in Maycomb this summer. On top of that, Atticus has to travel every day for two weeks so the kids will rarely get to see him. Calpurnia takes the children to a colored church for Sunday. Some people don't like that white kids are there, but most people don't seem to mind. Most of the attendees can't read, so they sing an echo from Zebo, Calpurnia's oldest son. During church, they find out that the wife of the man that has been accused of rape cannot find a job because of her husband's situation. When they all come home from church, they find their Aunt Alexandra waiting for them. Why was Scout upset about Dill uh, getting a new father? Because that means he can't come to make home. Yeah. yeah. Why does Calpurnia always have her birthday on Christmas? Because she doesn't know how old she is or when her birthday is. And who is Zebo to Calpurnia? Her She's eldest, like son. Her oldest son. Yeah. <laughs> Why did Calpurnia speak differently at church than at home? To fit in. And they don't like it when you yeah, simply act put, smarter. Yeah. Um, how does Jem act towards Scout in this chapter? Mean. Kind of like annoyed with distant. her. Distant. Yeah. Distant. Yeah. Like pushing her away. And the summary for chapter 13. In chapter 13, Aunt Alexandra tells the kids that she's going to stay with them so they can have a feminine figure around. Everyone enjoys her presence in Maycomb. They visit her and give her treats. She learns about all of the things that each family is known for and is proud to carry the Finch name because of the history of it. She believes that the history of each family, because they have lived there for, for a long time, is important is an important part of Maycomb's history, but Aunt Alexandra also thinks that Jem and Scout aren't representing the family name sufficiently and holds that against them. She tells Atticus about her concern and he decides to lecture them on the issue. However, Scout just ends up crying. <laughs> Why did Atticus think it was a good idea for Aunt Alexandra to visit? Because they, they would have a feminine figure. They weren't going to be there, and they said it was more like yeah. her idea. Yeah. Kind of forced away. Yeah. Uh, what are Aunt Alexandra's opinions on the Finches? They're very high held, yeah. and like, if you don't meet a certain standard, then you have to like fix your stuff, yeah. kind of like get it together. Noble, right? Yeah. Uh, what does Aunt Alexandra believe is a good family, or as a good family? Stay in my memory, so help. Yeah. Uh, someone who lives on the same property for like a oh, long yeah. period oh, of time. Okay. So they said the thing about the Yules. Yeah. Um, why are so many families in Maycomb related? Because the same people have lived in that town for so long. So it's like. Yeah, it was basically them showing up first. The yeah. houses get smaller. And, and it was like, this person has a boy, this person has a girl. Oh, look at that. 20 years later, they yeah. get married. That's literally what I'm <laughs> uh, What does Atticus say to the kids at the end of this chapter about the finches? That's her gentle bread. What? <laughs> they eat gentle bread, is that what you said? <laughs> I as well. They, they eat result, gentle bread. Result of gentle breeding. Oh. Okay. okay. He says okay. that they should learn more about the history of the Finch family and how how they should behave based off of that history. 
Ah. Oh wait, there's no more. And right? now it's open time ended. for modern events. I have open ended. Which one? Oh, symbols. Never mind. Okay. Open ended questions. Okay. So Atticus says that real courage is knowing that you are going to lose, yet you start anyways and fight your way to the end no matter what. Um, how do you think this relates to his career? Oh, can I answer? Yes. Because Atticus is a lawyer and you never are aware, like you don't get to pick your cases. So I think in this, in this situation, he's talking about the case that he has with the What's his name? Tom Robinson. Tom, Tom Robinson. I was about to say Tim. Tom Robinson. Um, and because he's black, he doesn't think he's going to win because in Macomb, black people are still minority at this time. And he knows that if he didn't take the case, he wouldn't be able to face his children with the same kind of... Um, pride. Thank you. Yeah. Pride that he used to. And it wouldn't be doing the right thing. So even though he knows he's not going to win the case, he takes it anyways to show that he cares for everybody in Bay Home and he's a good lawyer. Okay. Predict how killing a mockingbird is a sin will relate to the later chapters in the book. Sometimes you have to kill a mockingbird. Why? You have to chop down what's nice, so, like, so something bigger can come out, you know? So you kill a mockingbird so a bigger mockingbird can come out of the dead mockingbird, because that makes sense, Connor. It's not well, like chopping down a tree so another tree can Maybe grow. there's a reason you have to kill the mockingbird. Like, you know? what? They're annoying. I don't know. I'm just trying to... Okay. Never mind. Okay. Okay. No, hey, guys, the question is predict why it's a sin. Is it? Why is it a sin to kill a mockingbird? It's like killing an angel. They're so Cause beautiful. They're sound. Because they don't do anything except make beautiful music. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They only yeah. they only bring happiness. To was people. that the question? I thought how it would relate. It was, yeah, how it would relate. Yeah. Our <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can move on. Next question. I don't know. Okay. So word wizard. Wait, I have one more. Oh, JK. <laughs> Aunt Alexandra says. She can get a full understanding of someone by just knowing their last name. And why do you think that? Why do you think this is? Oh, because she thinks that, certain like, with the history, certain... like traits, like certain characteristics are only suiting for certain families. Like, Finches are proud and noble and like, haya. Woohoo! And then yeah, like other families are not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Word wizard. Word wizard. That's Connor. Hello, welcome to my podcast. I'm the word wizard. How are you doing? So now, see what we're gonna do. We're gonna do first word I got is unfathomable. This word means incapable of being fully explored or understood. And I got this from page 85. Next word, seldom, which means not often or rarely. I got this as well from page 85. Next word, Touches. This means touchy slash overly sensitive. I got this from page 86. Next word, accosted. This means when you greet someone angrily or aggressively. I got this from page 87. Next word, pester. I got this word means to annoy someone often. I got this from page 94. Next, quelled. I also got this from page 94. It means to stop something with force. Next, adjacent. This means next to or adjoining something else. I got this from page 94. Next, perplexity. 
a look of confusion. I got this from page 96. Next, feeble, weak in strength. Page 118. Next. You get angrier with every word. I know. <laughs> Next. Melancholy. Melan Melan Melancholy. Melancholy. Overwhelming or feeling of overwhelming sadness for no reason. I got this from page 133. Next. Propensities. A natural urge to behave in a certain way. That sounds horrible. <laughs> I got that from page 144. All right. Symbologist. Oh, I'm symbologist. Mitchell was, oh. That's me. Is this the recording? Yes. Yeah, okay. So my symbol for chapter 8 was the house fire. Uh, I chose this symbol because Miss Maudie's house fire was one of the more memorable parts of the early chapters. And the whole event symbolizes how interrelated a neighborhood is. Um, the whole town is either running in the burning house to save Miss Maudie's furniture or pushing the fire truck to her house to save it. Uh, my symbol for chapter 9... Uh, Okay, so here's the picture. It's from the movie. Wow. It's Tom Robinson's trial. And um, this represents that sometimes you must do what's right even if it hurts your public image or your pride. Atticus defends Tom Robinson even though the neighborhood and some of his family despise him for it. Uh, he told his kids that if he didn't, he, would have, he wouldn't have enough self-esteem or pride to tell him what to do. And if he didn't try as hard to make the right choice. Uh, my symbol for chapter 10 was the old mad dog. Uh, the symbol, uh, yeah. Uh, it symbolizes the madness that Macon was threatening with the Finch family with. Um, the fact that he shot the dog with his extreme talent, even though he was very reluctant to, symbolizes his determination to protect his family. Uh, it also contributes to the plot because it foreshadows the future events around Atticus's trial. Um, my symbol for chapter 11 was uh, Mrs. Dubose's camellias. Um, the camellias represent the racism in Macomb. Uh, when Jem ruins Mr. Bose's uh, camellias, it represents the Im an immature way of dealing with racism. Uh, Mr. Bose says that you'll pull it up by the roots, won't you? Uh, showing that one must attack racism at the roots with a kind heart and a level head like Atticus, because surf surface level stunts like rebellion and violence will not uh, succeed in eradicating the issue. Chapter 12 symbol is the, um, the people that go to First Purchase Church. Um, for example, Lula symbolizes the old generation of black people who hold a grudge against white people. Uh, for example, when she tried to turn the Finch children away from the church. While the others, like Calpurnia, Reverend Sykes, uh, symbolize a new generation of black people who respect and accept white people as if they were the same. Um, chapter 13 is the symbol is Aunt Alexandra, and she, symbol she symbolizes maturity. Um, she arrives and attempts to make Scout more ladylike, but fails because she is too childish and immature. Aunt Alexandra represents the femininity and uh, maturity that Scout does not have. Uh, she does not lose her head and play in the mud, but instead drinks tea with the ladies of Maycomb and acts noble. Okay, so I'm the one of the modern events reporters. Mitchell's the, the other one. The only one we're presenting. The only one we're presenting now. Yeah, he should say his too because he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, mine aren't that good. Okay, but you did. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So. The title of the article is "Fire Destroys Home in Essa." Um. Summary of the event: There was a fire in Essa. Um. In a family house that was caused from electrical problems. 
Um, the most important, the most important points were um, how big the fire was, um, how recent and close it was, how it was caused, and um, no one got injured. Um, connection to the novel, there were both fires, and um, this connects to the novel because. Shut up, Ryan. Um, this connects to the novel because um, that just happened in the book. Once I read about the fire that just um, happened, I remember seeing an article like this on the news. I decided to choose this one. Um, that was quick. I didn't understand that, if I'm being completely honest. What? Wait, you stupid. Just continue. We don't have time for this. Ava! They won't shut up. Just keep going. We're trying to record a podcast. Thank you very much. Okay. So the next article, it's called um, America's Strain Salute um, to its Black Veterans. Um, the summary of the event is the whole book is about racism, so it's important <laughs> I put this article in. Um, the most important points are um, minorities don't get treated the same as other people. Minorities have been treated bad and attempted suicide, and um, people get left out because of it, and uh, minorities don't get acknowledged the same. Um, connection to the novel. This connects to the novel because the whole book is about racism. I think that this connects to the book because it shows that there's still um, racism around the current time and it's still pretty bad. Okay, so um, for mine, I did um, morphine symptoms and warning signs. That's what the article was called. Um, so in this article, they talk about some of the signs of addiction and um, the dangers of it. Um, five most important parts. Um, they talk about dilated pupils, um, nodding off, slurred speech, depression, and um, eventually death. Uh, connection to the do- um, the novel, Miss Dubose was addicted to morphine. Um, in the novel, Jem notices that Mrs. Du- Dubose's pupils are very small and dilated, and that there were a few occasions where that she fell asleep when they were reading to her. Um, in the article, both of these things are signs that someone is addicted to morphine. Of course, Jem and Scout are just kids that they did not recognize that these things are signs of addiction, but they were later told by Atticus that she was addicted and that she died. <clears throat> It's a, a bad, it's a bad sleepy drug. Like it's a very, very addictive. Come on, step it up. I took morphine for a while. Why? Because it's fun. All right. <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah, that recorded right. <laughs> next time. Um, so my next article, I could not think of one. So it's just um, it's about it's an article about Mary Poppins, um, and her her character traits. I'm in this article, they talk about the different attributes and things that Mary Poppins does. Um. She's very strict, sensible, um, and she has magical powers, <laughs> and she tries to make the kids better people. Um, in the novel, Anne Alexandria is kind of like Mary Poppins, because she, she goes there, and she tries to make the kids better, and she's very strict. Um, in the novel, Anne Alexandria comes to the Finch house to give Jean a female influence. Soon we learn that, just like Mary Poppins, they are, she's, trying to give, she's trying to change the way the kids are, and to get them to become more like adults. She's also very strict, just like Mary Poppins, and she's like a nanny to them. Is that everything? That's pretty good, yeah. Do we have any more discussion, discussion questions? Is that everything? Over. Do we have anything, Over? We're anything ending else it? we need to that's ex- discuss? Are we ending Nothing it? Nothing else we Over need to discuss? Yeah. That's what, that's a-
Okay, so it is day three of the discussions, and we're starting with chapter 14. Near the beginning of the chapter, Scout asked Atticus about rape, since Calpurnia said it would be best to ask him. This brings up the story of what happened at the church, to which Alexandra claims she thinks was a bad idea to go in the first place, and later on speaks to Atticus about getting rid of Calpurnia. Atticus disagrees with Alexandra by saying that Calpurnia has a positive impact on the kids and has done nothing wrong. Later on that night, Scout makes her way to bed only to step on something she thought was a snake, but actually turned out to be Dill hiding under her bed because he ran away from home after thinking his parents weren't interested in him anymore. Afterwards, Dill and Scout spend time together that same night catching up on what they missed out on while being apart and doze off after a long conversation on babies. The chapter ends off with Scouts asking Dill why he thinks Boo Radley has never ran away from where he replies it may have been because he has nowhere else to go. All right, chapter 14 questions, direct from text. Who did Scout accidentally step on while in the dark? Dill. What term is Scout curious about in this chapter? Rape. Rape. Why does Scout and Jem begin to fight? That doesn't make sense. Why did they fight? Why did they start fighting? Um. Because Jem told them not to annoy her aunt. Yeah. Scout didn't like to be lectured by Jem. All right, do I do the read between the lines? Yes. Okay, all right, what kind of magazine was Jem reading while in the living room with Atticus? All right, ought to be. What was Atticus's reaction to Dill in their home? Oh, when they found Dill. Oh, they just told him to get food. Yeah. That's okay, chapter 15. This chapter starts with Dill being allowed to stay in Maycomb for the rest of the summer. One evening, Mr. Heck, along with a group of men, show up at the Finch's doorstep to speak with Atticus about his trial, but the conversation ends when Jem yells on the phone for Atticus. The following Sunday, Scout spots out some men at church who don't normally attend and says that Tom Robinson is in jail. That same night, Atticus Atticus leaves the house by car, which makes the kids follow him since he rarely uses his car unless he's going far. When they arrive to the scene, Atticus, Mr. Cunningham, and a few others are there, but things aren't looking too well until uh, Scout steps in and makes the others leave, revealing Tom Robinson and Mr. Underwood hiding in the back. Later on, the chapter ends with Atticus not being mad at at Jem for coming with Scout and Dill, but stays quiet instead. Chapter 15. What was Atticus carrying that Scout and Jem was it, were curious about? What do you have a shoe on your head? Wasn't it a light bulb? It was a light bulb? Room? Yeah, and an What's extension cord. What was the two things that Atticus doesn't do? In what? In general. Doesn't beat his children. <laughs> it's eat desserts and doesn't drive around town, only oh, to oh, far yeah, places. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Scout check on Jim during bedtime? Because he, he, bed. because he yeah. wasn't making his regular bedtime noise. Yeah, he was making noise. unusual sounds. Yeah, our bedtime noise, what did the men downtown want from Atticus? <laughs> the men downtown want from Atticus? <laughs> to get to Tom Robinson. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Okay, chapter 16. In the beginning of this chapter, Atticus tells the kids that he was actually relieved that the three of them showed up to the scene the other night. Atticus later explains that the men there, including Mr. Cunningham, may have tried to hurt him if the kids didn't show up, but they are all still good people. Dill, Scout, and Jem sit outside and talk about Mr. Dolphus Raymond, who supposedly prefers to be around African Americans instead of white people, 
and has mixed kids. This brings up the topic of what a mixed person is, which Jem says they are people who are usually sad because they don't fit in with either side of Maycomb's racial divide, and Scout comes back with the question of how someone can tell another's race by looking at them. The kids then go to the court where Scout overhears men talking about how Atticus was appointed to defend Tom Robinson, and she questions why he never told them that. The end of the chapter cuts off with the beginning of the trial. All right. Why were people flooding downtown of Maycomb? Um, to watch the trial. Yeah, very good, very good. Why doesn't Miss Maudie Ma- 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 <laughs> go to the trial? Because she thinks it's stupid. She just isn't She like people make an event out of it, like a carnival. Yeah. She doesn't like that people get amusement. From. Where did Scout, Jem, and Dill watch the trial? In the balcony. Good, very good, very good. What does Aunt Alexandra jokingly suggest the town should have? A police force of children. You're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) What was the name of the Mennonite the children were telling a story about? Something gonna give it to you. Oh, X. X. Okay. Chapter 17. This chapter begins with the trial taking place where Mr. Tate starts his statement. Mr. Tate claims that Bob Ewell bought brought him to the Ewell house where he found Mr. Ewell's daughter beaten up and she said that it was Tom Robinson who had done it and more. It's late it's later oh wait a second. It's later Atticus's turn to speak to which he asks three times if Mr. Tate took care of Ewell's daughter after the incident and every time he says no. During this trial, Scout gives out facts about the Ewells such as that their home their house is filthy compared to the other African American houses. Um but that comes to an end after Mr. Ewells gives his statement and Atticus begins asking questions she doesn't understand go with the subject. One of Atticus's questions are, in, are if Ewell can read and write, which turns out he is left-handed just like Tom. Jem ends, his cha- ends the chapter by saying that they have him now, but Scout is still confused since both men are left-handed and Tom appears to be really strong. Chapter 17. Who told Hectate to go to the Ewell house? Ewell? You will? Uh, the, the, what's his face? Tom? No. Wait, Wait the question who, who told Hectate to go to the Ewell house? Sure. Something Ewell did. Yeah, Bob Ewell. What did Hectate find when he got to the Ewell house? What's name? Is it Mayala? Is it's Mayala. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What did Bob Ewell see through the house window? When he was coming back Tom from the woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the first question Atticus asked Mr. Tate? If, Repeat the question. Did he, did he, like, if anyone had called a doctor. Okay. Um, which one of Mayella's eyes were bruised up? Her left. Or right, sorry. Right, yeah. Okay. Very good, very good. Are we on chapter 18? Yeah. Okay. Chapter 18 starts off with Mayella being told, told to tell her side of the story, but keeps talking to a minimal because she is afraid of Atticus until the judge claims Atticus can't do anything to her. Atticus then begins asking Mayella a bunch of questions such as who it was who raped her, but she doesn't remember. 
When this is being asked, Tom stands up to reveal his slightly shorter arm, which makes Atticus question how he could have raped her, but Mayella continues to add new details to try and make her statement make more sense. Later on, Mayella refuses to answer more questions and gives a pretty rude closing statement. The trial then takes a break, and Atticus claims to have another witness he can call. Alright, chapter 18. What did Mayella reveal about her life? I was kind of separate from the rest of her family. Mm-hmm. She, she had, had no friends. Before. Yeah, she had seven siblings, a drunk father, and n- no not... Friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did Mo... Shut up. <laughs> what did Mayella offer Tom Robinson so he would go into the house? A nickel. Yes. <laughs> Who notices the children up in the balcony? What? The, the reporter. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Underwood. That. Who is the last witness Atticus has to call on? Tom. Mm-hmm. Very good. What section did Mr. Underwood say he would might include the kids' names in, in the newspaper? Uh, mm-hmm. Very well, very well. Chapter 19. Uh, Tom's testimony continues in the beginning of this chapter, followed with an explanation on how Mayella always gave him jobs to do, but he never asked for payment since he knew she was poor and lonely. Tom says the only thing the only thing disturbed that evening was the furniture. He claims that Mayella grabbed his legs while he was trying to fix her door, and he simply ran after the incident instead of pushing Mayella away. Dill then begins crying after Tom claims he ran because he knew most white people would claim he's guilty no matter what since he is black. So Scout and Jem take him out of the courthouse. When the siblings ask Dill what's wrong, he says that the way Mr. Gilmer... Gilmer was talking to Tom compared to Atticus talking to Ewell's daughter made him sick. The chapter then closes off with Mr. Dolphus Raymond overhearing the conversation and stating that he agrees with Dill. Alright, chapter 19. What did Tom Robinson claim Mayella did while grabbing a box from the dresser? Grab his legs. Why does Dill begin to cry? Because they're, uh, Mr. Gilmer, or Gilmer. Yeah. Was uh, being mean. Was, yeah, Who does Scout and Dill see towards the end of the chapter? Mr. Dolphus. Dolphus Raymond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Maycomb County, black people aren't supposed to feel what towards a white person? Well, sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're so smart. Do I do the discussions now? Say my name after so she knows who do I, I The to. discussion questions now? Yeah. All right. Yes. Open ended questions. Why is Atticus beginning to act different. Because he feels bad for Tom Robinson and mm-hmm. everybody in wants the, to go after him yeah. even though he didn't know exactly. whatever it is. I will agree with that. Why do you think this trial has attracted so many people from Maycomb County? Why do you think this trial has attracted so many people from Macomb County. I find it might be. It's been going on for so long and, like, mm-hmm. Atticus, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, like, the whole tone of the book has shifted quite a bit. It's like, in the first... Okay, you want to shut up, Mr. Intercom thing? Okay, um... Yeah. Okay, who's next? Do you have more? Is it me? Modern events? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, Connor, relax. You're fine. I missed the question. 
Okay, modern events reporter. Cutter? Sorry. I love you. Um, so for my first article, I picked um, an article called The Truth About Fal False Accusations um, by Women. This article talks about rape accusations and how they are very rare. Um, that there's a, that it's, a rare, it's very rare when there's a, a false accusation. Um, the five most important points were that only 2 to 10% of rape accusations are proven to be fake. Um, in many cases, the fake um, accu accuser has a history of lying to authorities or committing a fraud. Um, fake rape accusations get a lot of attention. Fa um, false rape accusations very rarely lead to convictions or wrongful jail time. And the, um, the person who is making the accusation may have a criminal record. Um, Mr. Ewell's daughter, Mayella, was not raped by Tom or even at all. This accusation... Um, <laughs> this accusation was not true in that, the, in that they found out that Mr. Ewell, Mr. Ewell was abusing Mayella. Most rape accusations get a lot of attention, and this one definitely got a lot of, a lot of attention by the community. Mayella was not lying to the judge, but her story was very mixed up because she did not remember a lot of it. Okay, for my second article, um, I picked What Happens When Someone um, Lies Under Oath, uh, Modern Law. Lying under oath, li lying under oath is um, perjury, which is a crime, or per perjury, which is a crime. If they have been dishonest, it'll probably hurt their case. Um, when being asked about the details, it should become obvious that they are like filling in the blanks and not like pausing in between theirs. Um, the judge does not require hard proof of the person's deception. Mere impressions and are are sufficient to influence their rulings. Um, and there are and there's a dangerous question that naturally ar arises when a person is dishonest or believed to be dishonest. If they were dishonest about that, what else are they lying about? Mr. Ewell, Mr. Ewell was under oath and he lied to everyone. Mr. Yule was lying because there were a few occasions where he paused and would think for a second, and when he was telling his story, there was proof that there was proof that he was not filling in the blanks, but that he was just making it up on like on the fly. Mr. Yule was being dishonest, and this hurted his case because he um, the two stories they were being told were not lining up. Lastly, Mr. Yule committed perjury, which is a crime, and we hopefully um, find out later that he will be charged with that. Um, for my third article, I picked um, um, a website that's about the characters. Um, so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, The Fugitive, but the ma the main criminal in that movie has one arm. So it's like I kind of I'm just kind of connecting these two things. <clears throat> um, so the one armed man was the main antagonist in the movie. Um, Richard Kimball was falsely accused of murdering his wife. Frederick Sykes um, was the main antagonist who has a prosthetic arm. Sykes, Sykes killed the cop and, and tried to kill Kimball, but Kimball <clears throat> overpowered um, Sykes because he only had one arm, and then he was later arrested. Um, Tom Robinson has one arm, and he was accused of a crime. In the novel, Tom only has one arm, and this is the same for Sykes. They were both arrested for supposedly committing a crime. And finally, Tom, just like Richard Kimball, Tom is just like Richard Kimball because they are both accused of committing a crime that they, not, that they did not do. All right. Time for the symbols. Okay, so the symbol I chose for chapter 14 were running shoes. In this chapter, a lot of time was spent talking about Dill and how he ran off, and I choose the running shoes as a symbol for this chapter for three reasons. 
The first reason being um, it relates to the real situ like the real situation of Dill running away. The second reason is because not only did Dill run away, but Scout was thinking about it. And the last reason is because Scout asked the question of why Boo Radley hasn't run away, and Dill thinks it's because he has nowhere to go, and I think that will be important later in the story. For chapter 15, I chose a jail cell as my symbol, or as the symbol. In this chapter, many men in the town were concerned about Tom Robinson. The jail cell represented many things that happened in this chapter. Men from the town came to the house of Atticus and were asking him about Tom being moved to another jail. It also reminds the readers about Atticus being at the jail with an extension cord and a light bulb and the strange men surrounding him, again trying to get to Tom. It also represents the isolation Scout was feeling because of her aunt and Jem becoming more, more independent. In chapter 16, I chose a stick man as a figure, or as a symbol. In this chapter, Atticus said something about just because a person does the wrong thing doesn't mean they're any less of a person. I chose the stick figure because after this being said, it puts so many things in a different perspective. For instance, when the kids heard a group at the courthouse talking about why Atticus was assigned the case that he would still defend a black person, when the kids got uh first got to the courthouse everyone was eating lunch white people separate from the black except for one white man who sat with the black people because he saw them as equals also when the priest from calpurnia's church took the kid took yeah took the kids to the black seating area so they could watch the trial as well for chapter 17 i chose boxing gloves for this chapter i chose the boxing gloves because um this chapter was where was really where they get into the trial and where Atticus begins the fight. Mr. Grimler questions Hectate and throws the first punch. Later, we see that uh, when Atticus questioned him, he throws a punch right back that throws his opponent off. Now Atticus has another match against a new witness and is ready <laughs> to win. I think the boxing gloves are a good symbol for this chapter because it relates to the fight for Tom's freedom that Atticus is fighting so hard for. My symbol for chapter 18 is a question mark. During this chapter, many questions were asked. All the question, the question mark represents all of the questions being asked, both during the trial and inside the heads of the people watching. Atticus asks what happened the night, and the story is consistent, but during the trial, many holes were shown when Atticus asked smart questions that stumped the witnesses. My, my symbol for chapter 19 was a pointed finger. During this chapter, Tom tells his testimony, or Tom had Tom. Oh, jeez, Tom has his testimony and tells everyone what really happened. The finger, the finger was simply pointed at Tom from an outside view. Mela lied so she would not get in trouble. He was not at all to blame, but he was a black person, and that made him an easy target. Atticus did the best he could to change the direction of the finger, to show the racist jury that he was innocent. Thank you. Yeah, word wizard. Okay, so for my first word, I did encumbered. I'm saying it to this, Mitchell. Um, and the dictionary definition is restrict or burden someone or something in such way that um, free action or movement is difficult. The quotation is, Dill was encumbered by the chair. And my definition is to restrict someone from doing something. Um, and my example was Tom was encumbered in the um, jail cell. 
Uh, my second word was um, starchiness. Um, there was a faint starchiness in his voice. Um, the definition is um, consisting of or resembling starch very formal and serious in behavior. So to be serious. And I didn't know what to do for an example because like, I don't really understand the word. But um, the third word is untrosive. And the example is um, Elder's Club in... Elders Club and made myself as unattrusive as possible. And the definition is um, not conspicuous or attracting attention. Um, my definition is to be unnoticed. And um, I snuck into a water park and act very intrusive. Okay, so just before, do you have this document in your folder? In your day three folder? It should like, be. Can they see it right now? I'll yes. check. I'm on it right now. I pressed it like from in the thing. Yeah, yeah it's in there. It, right? And then instead of having to read everything out loud, you could just, you know, you could just do a quick overview of the different words that you read. And oh, and then they can go through it. And then ask them if they are unsure of anything or if they need clarity on any of the words that you used or anything like that. Okay. That'll make it a little more interactive. Yeah, and quicker. Yeah, and quicker. <laughs> okay, wait. Oh, I'm summarizing. When's the next? Tuesday. 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 Five. But they get shorter and shorter and shorter. Do they? Doesn't it get to like five pages? A chapter? Yeah, it's getting really short. Okay, wait, so what do you want me to read? So I would just read, like, each word and the quick definition. Like the dictionary definition? Whatever one you think is better. Okay. And Next word? They, at the end, if they're unsure of anything, or if you guys are unsure, interrupt her. they like, ah, I don't get that, you know. Or if there's a word that you came across after she found out. Okay. Okay, so my next word is um, eccentricities. And then um, the quality of being eccentric, um, an eccentric act, habit, or thing. And another definition was like weird behaviors that people think are strange. So that makes more sense than all of like the complicated words. <laughs> um, then terse, um, sparing in the use of words. Then there's jurinisms. <laughs> A herbaceous plant or small shrub. That's like the gist of it. And then a shifrobe. A shifrobe is a piece of furniture that has both a section of drawers and has a section of hanging clothes. Um, and seldom and not often rarely, so barely ever happens. And then multitudes, so just a large number. You forgot earnestness. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> Sincere and intense conviction. I'll let her do it. She's the Well, wizard. you know what? Yeah. Jeez, Ellie. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to help. 
Okay. Earnestness. Um, it's sincere, intense conviction. So getting strongly convicted of something. What's next? Oh, this would be Ryan's My turn. Alright, so I'm the character analysis. <laughs> uh, I chose Atticus, Scout, Jem, Aunt Alexandra, and Dill. Um, <laughs> Alright, um, Atticus is kind, compassionate, um, because um, he protects Tom when he's in the jail. <laughs> Connor, stop. And, um, when he finds Jem, he lets him stay the night. Um, he is open or non-secretive because um, it says multiple times that he is the same in the courtroom as he is on the public streets. Um, Scout is protective because uh, when Jem was grabbed by one of the men, one of the men in the mob, uh, she kicked him. And um, she's innocent because um, she was asking all the questions to Mr. Cunningham uh, when she didn't know what was going on. <laughs> And uh, she's also curious because she keeps asking all the questions. Um, Jem was uh, stubborn because when uh, Atticus asked him to leave after the mob showed up at the prison, he refused. Um, he's also respectful because um, he tried to tell Scout not to antagonize uh, Aunt Alexandra because there's enough worrying Atticus. Um, he's also empathetic uh, because when, <laughs> when Scout started crying after they got back from the jail, um, it said that Atticus didn't bother her about it like he normally does. Um, Aunt Alexander is condescending, easily angered, and judgmental. Because she's always bossing people around the house. Um, Dill is uh, righteous because he gets he feels sick after um, Mr. Gilmer um, like kind of dehumanizes Tom. Uh, he's also an attention seeker because he ran away from home because his uh, parents weren't paying enough attention to him. Uh, and he's he's imaginative or creative because um, <laughs> it said when they were talking about uh, babies with Scout that he uh, he had a great imagination. All right. Anything else we should discuss? Um, I think that is it. Yeah. All right. Any last words? Any anybody? last discussions? Very good. Very good. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen next, Mitchell? Oh, I think everybody's going to die. <laughs>